Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Your leadership narrative is is I think really critical because it allows people to understand how you're going to most often react or manage a situation if you are able to convey your leadership narrative. Welcome to the Warrior You podcast, proudly presented by Hindsight Leadership and Resilience. The Warrior You podcast delves deep into the topics of leadership, resilience and human optimization. Our mission statement is simple. You're the mission. A massive shout out to our main sponsor, gym equipment specialist Aussie Strength a proud Australian veteran-owned business who have kitted out home garage gyms and huge fitness centres all over Australia and globally. This week on the Warrior You podcast, Bram continues his talk with Lieutenant Colonel Trent Bernard on leadership in the Army, training, structures and situations. In this episode, the pair focuses on the values that leadership in the Army should instil, the competency of soldiers themselves understanding who you are as a leader, and the relationships between leaders within the army structure. So sit back and enjoy Season 2, Episode 3 of the Warrior You Podcast. Hey, welcome back everyone to the second week of Leadership of a Platoon. Last week we talked about the platoon sergeant and the soldiers. Um, There's been great feedback from, from that podcast and so joining me here again today is Lieutenant Colonel Bernard. Um, he's also a mate of mine. I like being, I like, on Tuesdays I call him sir, but every other day I call him mate. So we're going to talk about the company commander today and in particular that relationship for a young platoon commander and how he or she should sort of approach that relationship. I don't have any platoon commanders in the Western Australian University Regiment in my company. I've got a whole lot of sergeants and corporals. Uh, but how, when, when you were a company commander, how did you see that relationship with a platoon commander and how did, how did they see that relationship, uh, more importantly? Uh, every, every, position, uh, every position, I believe, is a leadership position. And with leadership, there's, a, there's an absolute importance on the development and mentoring of your subordinates. And this is particularly true of uh, lieutenants in that subunit environment. So uh, the relationship between the lieutenant and the OC is, I think, one of uh, critical importance because the platoon commanders really are the uh, really are the, the keys to getting the, the subunit command's mission achieved. And it's important for the OC to make sure that the lieutenants are up to the job, you know, up to job standard, are leading well themselves and are developing towards the next level. You know, if you have a high-performing lieutenant who's, who's uh, able to operate at those 
at that level, then they are actually leading their platoon quite uh, quite strongly. Yeah, and so opportunities versus expectation. Uh, it's a balance. It's situationally dependent, I think, um, that there will always be the opportunities uh, within uh, a company commander's uh, expectations of that, of a platoon commander. Yeah. Um, but also if uh, the tempo is not quite as uh, busy, then uh, you, sh- you should always be seeking the opportunities to develop those platoon commanders in other ways. And that might be, that might be part of the, uh, the ACOTC or um, uh, deployment opportunities or something along those lines. Mm. But, um, but certainly there's going to be levels of expectation where, where a company commander is just going to say you need to get on with the job and your, your team and your professional competence your technical competence um, is is what gets you through. There's some there's some synergies or some some comparable uh, notions around leadership from the company commander and the CEO of a business um, and the way that they would talk to department heads, for instance. There is a massive cultural gap between a lieutenant and and a major company commander. Um, I saw that less in because two commando regiments, platoon commanders, captains. There was a big gap between the captains and the majors, but not, but not as much as there was between a lieutenant and a and a captain, for instance, in inside an infantry company. It's a very different world, mm. the world of SF. But those cultural uh, gaps are quite interesting in the way that we develop uh, a lieutenant. Yeah, uh, some would say you know that the the opportunity presents itself to develop those junior uh, leaders far more quickly rather than experiential learning. Uh, say, for an example, uh, a police force, for instance, where their commissioned officers aren't 21 years or 22 years of age. They've come up through the ranks and gone from sergeant or senior sergeant and then into the commission ranks. So you get that similarity between what you're describing in the business community where where uh, a junior, let's call them a junior commissioned officer, is you know almost as experienced as as the rank above, and, and like you said, that's not the case. I think there's uh, positives and negatives to both models, um, but it's my uh, opinion that uh, the model, this model, works for us, and, yeah. and particularly in, in a battalion environment. Yeah, I agree. And the company sergeant major, you know that that how is that relationship fostered with a platoon commander and a CSM, what does that look like? And what should a platoon commander be looking for? I think that's, uh, you know, ideally you want a, uh, you want a relationship that's just that, you know, obviously by virtue of rank, it's that step up from the platoon sergeant uh, where you, you're looking at potentially resolving or getting advice to resolve more complex issues, organisational issues. Mm. Um, across either the subunit or the battalion. Um, there's a lot of experience there, obviously, and, uh, you know, the, a good CSM can provide outstanding advice to a platoon commander who's willing to, to listen and, and accept that advice. Yeah, and at, uh, the extreme end, at the extreme end, a CSM could have another five to ten years' experience on the platoon sergeant that that, that platoon commander has. So, Without, without a doubt. My, yeah. my current experience... Uh, with uh, CSMs in the uh, in the army at the moment, is they are uh, they are extremely proficient in what they do. Mm. Um, it's it's highly competitive 
and the CSMs are of such good quality that um, you know you would be it would be remiss of you if you, you didn't take their advice on board. The very very smart individuals yeah. or build a build a relationship. And I've seen that myself recently, where there's a lot more academic rigor pushed into the uh, to the woe two ranks. So CSMs have a lot more academic background as well now to to lean on them, probably more than what they've ever had before. We're going to get on to a little bit about values. I think might be might be worth covering as a as a leader of a platoon. So your own your own values and and those values of the army and the values of the ADF. Yeah, it wasn't a question. I just made a statement. Um, so you know, around positivity, integrity, attitude, balance of humility. Uh, I really liked what we talked about as well with your personal brand. Like, who are you as a leader? Um, I think that's yeah. so like a yeah. I think personal brand's really important. Um, uh, it it takes. I think possibly uh, junior officers don't give uh, that much of a thought, and that's probably that probably is something that is missing to some extent. Um, the personal brand, and what I mean by that is how you're perceived. You know, are you are you looked at as being mature? Are you serious about? Uh, the work that you do and, and you know, how do you convey yourself? Are you uh, a professional in not just your actions but your words and your behaviours and, and, you know, no longer is it appropriate to conduct yourself as, as if you're a third-year uni student and, right. um, you know, and it just does not engender any level of trust or, uh, or expectation if, if you don't, um, remain conscious of your yeah. brand because you you could end up on operations. Next thing you know, you're in Afghanistan and you haven't been working on that brand. No one takes you seriously, for sure. And and this is a serious profession. Yeah. Um, your why, leadership narrative. Do you think that's important to work out a leadership narrative other than other than your brand, but how you're going to lead, what you're going to be known for? Yeah, without a doubt, it's it's really it's really important and. Um, you know, at a, at, a, at a more senior level, you might call that the command philosophy. But your leadership narrative is, is I think, really critical because it allows people to understand how you're going to most often react or manage a situation if you are able to convey your leadership narrative. You know, there's I, I read in the mil, military leader that um, most people can with confidence and without thinking too hard about it, remember how they met their wife or their husband. Mm. Uh, you, you know, that's a story that you can tell anyone at the drop of a hat. Mm. And I think with, uh, with a level of self-reflection, you should be able to tell someone what it is that makes you the type of leader that you are and why you are that type of leader wow. and how you uh, feel uh, about certain things will influence uh, you as a leader and how uh, and what your expectations and priorities are. So, you know, understanding your narrative, what makes it who you are and how you lead uh, takes some self-reflection. I think that's it really important for an officer. Wow, that's really deep. I'm not, yeah, I'm not even sure I could nail an elevator pitch of, of myself as a, as a leader, my leadership narrative. I'd have to sit there and really think about it. I know it's wrapped up in, uh, serving the nation, I have a certain, yeah, a certain feeling about the nation and also development of others. I know that's 
definitely inside my leadership narrative. I like to develop other people. But I also like um, combat, fighting, winning, and, and, a, and a platoon is an extension of that fighting mm. as is a company, as is a battalion, as is an army. So, yeah, it's a really interesting question actually. Um, and I guess that's, you've got that there in the notes. We had your motivation to lead and serve in the army. Like why are you doing that? Yeah. Absolutely. The next the next part we're going to get on to uh, before we wrap up this week's is technical competency. <laughs> oh, I love this. Doctrine, application of knowledge. You know, that's just so important to actually understand the army system and the army doctrine. Yeah, and, and of course that varies at the, 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 at the levels that you're operating at. And, um, but, it, you know, every, every junior officer needs to understand their doctrine and, uh, and, and not pay lip service to it. There's, there's, more than, there's, there's more than enough quotes about you know, military leaders not actually understanding their doctrine and, and that's why it's so hard to fight certain armies because they don't read their doctrine and, and those sorts of things. Um, but uh, I, I certainly have seen a significant change in the time that I've been in the army around uh, junior officers, you know, uh, field rank officers, uh, reading and understanding and being able to discuss doctrine in detail. That has certainly changed in the time that I've been in the Army. Yeah. And, uh, and so that, that is a good thing and that represents a change uh, from my perspective in the professionalism of serving in the profession of arms. Yeah. Willingness to seek to improve as well as stretch your opportunities to professionally develop. I don't think that's wrapped up inside it. You know, just seeking those those that technical competency. Um, it's not just knowledge. It's not just proficiency of weapons. Um, the main weapon that you have as a platoon commander is your platoon. Uh, people yeah. forget that that is actually your weapon. Um, and so, understanding how to employ that, understanding you know having uh, one foot on the ground maneuver, understanding mission command, understanding how to interpret strategic guidance. Something General McChrystal said recently really resonated with me, and I wish I'd had it when I was a platoon commander to tell to my platoon, and that is it's, it's, about, it's about me too. So you'd say, this, you'd say this about this is about me, gang, so just, just listen. Um, if I've yeah. given you a mission and that mission is wrong, then change the mission. So what, what General McChrystal was saying there is when he talks to his troops, if he gives them a mission, it was the right mission at the time because of the information presented in front of him and the stimulus coming in. If you get out on the ground and something's different and therefore the mission had to change and you know that's the mission I would have given you, then change that mission. And I think that that is all about being agile in, in the Army as a platoon commander is being able to build the trust <clears throat> so much in your sections that if you've given them a mission and they get out there and things have all changed, they'd know what you'd say to do next and they'll do it. Yeah, uh, that comes down to really genuinely understanding the, the one and two up intent. Yeah. Um, if, you, if you understand that, you can, you can operate within that uh, left and right <laughs> of arc and, and still achieve the commander's intent. That's the, that's the important bit. The other thing I wanted to add about technical competence is, and, you know, I'm careful not to just just talk to doctrine and the, the combat aspects. There's a lot around technical competence that we probably overlook, and certainly at that early stage, and that's, 
you know, understanding your assets, resource and managing resources and those sorts of things, you know, particularly in a modern army and the, the modernization of the Australian army at the moment, these assets are becoming far more complex and uh, far more technical. There's, there's a lot more of it. And, uh, and certainly as we continue to, to, to make those changes, certainly within the battalion structures, the the systems around managing equipment and armoured vehicles and those sorts of things uh, require a, a high level of technical competence as well and managing the, the personnel that support that, you know, the logistics aspects. This is far more important than it certainly was back, you know, when I joined all those all those years ago. All right, we're going to wrap it up for this week. Thanks again, Trent. Um, some great insights into being a platoon commander and the leadership that is around that. Next week, we're going to talk about the mechanics of running the platoon and maybe something about being a platoon commander out in the field. Thanks very much, Trent. Thanks, Brian. Thanks for listening to the Warrior U podcast. Did you know that our parent company, Hindsight, offers leadership and resilience training as well as workshops? If you would like to know more, please head to www.hindsightleadership.com. If you would like to become a supporter of the podcast, there's a donation tab at the bottom of the main podcast page. All contributions are greatly appreciated and help to keep the show on the road. If you're interested in the Warrior U military preparation course, you can find all the information through the podcast website page. Just click on the training tab. All this information and more can be found at www.podcast.warriorau.com.au. Acast anbefaler. Mit navn er Anders Morgenthaler. Over for mig sidder Roald Bergmann. Vi har lavet en ny podcast, der hedder Dopaminklubben. Og Dopaminklubben er en klub, hvor ADHD er fucking sjovt, og hvor det griner. Det behøver ikke at være super alvorligt. Vi skider skrætter alle de der podcast og forklarer mig nederen der. Vi gør grin med vores ADHD. Mulig ADHD. Ja, vi udreder mig, fordi nogen siger, at jeg har det. Jeg ved det ikke rigtigt, det finder vi ud af. Vi har i hvert fald lavet vedmål. Ind og lyt til Dopaminklubben. Hver uge udkommer vi. Der laver vi sjov og spas med at have den her vidunderlige dopaminmangel.